So the gospel reading. Two short parables from Jesus out of the gospel that we are focusing on this year in the lectionary. He also said, The kingdom of God is as if someone would scatter seed on the ground and would sleep and rise night and day and the seed would sprout and grow. He does not know how. The earth produces of itself first the stalk, then the head, then the full grain in the head. But when the grain is ripe, at once he goes in with his sickle because the harvest has come. He also said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable will we use for it? It is like a mustard seed, which when sown upon the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes the greatest of all shrubs and puts forth large branches so that the birds of the air can make their nests in its shade. Strange little stories, aren't they? Tiny little stories about tiny little things. A parable is not an instruction. Parable means, it comes from two Greek words, para and bull, or bol, which means, para, of course, means alongside, that's where we get parallel and all of those words. And means to throw or to cast. So a parable is something that is thrown or cast alongside. A parable's job is not to explain anything at all. A parable's job is to get you to explore. And of course you only ever want to explore something that you don't know. That's why when you travel you want to explore because it's a world that you don't know very well and you would like to. Not to know it completely, but to experience it and understand some of it. It invites, a parable invites us to look at the world in a slightly new way, to be open to a whole new territory. Not unlike James Tate's attempt at poetry, it gives you think either this guy's crazy or, wait a minute, there's a whole other way of looking at things. That's what a parable is about. So our job here is not to say what these stories explain to us, but it's about what do these stories open up for us and allow us to explore. In this last week's Clayton, I I had a go at the first of the two parables. And if you haven't seen it, you might would like to have a look at it because it's an attempt to see what exploring that would look like. This time I want to have a go at the second parable. We don't know why they're together. We know that the Gospel of Mark is a carefully crafted document uh, and a lot of work has been done on the way it all fits together like a mosaic. So they're not stuck together by accident, just, oh, we've got to put them somewhere, let's put them there. They're very carefully placed there. But they are two separate stories. 
With what can we compare the kingdom of God or with what parable shall we use? It's like a mustard seed which sown upon the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. No, it's not. Anybody knows it's not the smallest. I know it's not the smallest seed on earth and I'm, I'm a useless gardener. If I know, and most of us would know it's not the smallest seed on earth, what do you think people listening to Jesus are saying? They they live close to the ground. Agriculture is a part of absolute day-to-day existence for nearly everyone listening to Jesus. So when he says the seed is the smallest seed on earth, the first thing they're all going, no, it's not. Is Jesus stupid? Well, does he not know? This is silly, a mustard seed. Yeah, it's kind of small, but seeds are small generally. But it's not even close to the smallest seed on earth. You can imagine them going, well, wait a minute, I can name five seeds without even thinking about it that are smaller than a mustard seed. What is going on? And before they could go on to the rest of the story, when it's sown in the seeds on the earth, in the earth it grows and then it becomes the largest shrub. No, no, it doesn't. No, the mustard seed is... I know that it's... Look, you can look around. What's going on here? You can imagine people are getting stuck at that point. So it doesn't matter what else Jesus is going to say. It's like as if I said to you uh, in a story, I'm going to tell you a story about Coca-Cola, which, as you know, is the most expensive drink you can buy. Now, with it, as I'm going on, you're going, what? It's not, it's not. You're not even listening to the rest of what I'm saying because either what I'm saying can't be validated because I've got the first thing so wrong. You know... There's a disjunction. And when you read, I've read lots of commentaries and and scholars on this, most people just sort of brush over this bit. But it always bothers me. Why does Jesus say that? Is he silly? Is he forgotten? Is he making a mistake? But the question about, about a parable is not what does it mean, but what does it do in us? I'm going to try this. I'm going to try rewriting the parable, see what you think. Do you know what this is? You might drink it. Apparently it's, um, it's called yuckle. It's a, uh, these are tiny little bottles. They're about that big. Uh, and you buy it in the supermarket. It costs about a dollar a bottle or a bit less if you buy them in bulk. And it's got probiotics in it. With what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable will we use for it? It's like a bottle of yuckle which, when drunk carefully, is the most expensive of all drinks on earth. Yet when it's consumed, it develops and becomes the greatest of all medicines. It puts forth new telomeres, so that what it means to be human is radically and wildly changed. That's not true. Uh, Yakult may uh, increase the probiotics in your body, and that may be helpful to you. There's lots of research apparently to say that's true. But it doesn't build telomeres, which you know, the little ends on the DNA, which is what causes us to get old and die, or uh, amongst the main things. And if we could increase uh, the strength of our telomeres on the ends of our DNA, they're like the little caps on the ends of shoelaces they've been described as. If we could do something about that, we could possibly live on and on and on and maybe even forever, some scientists believe. And there is work being done. But Yakult is not going to do that. It doesn't even claim to do that. It's not its job. But you see how it sort of throws us off? 
but I thought this stuff was worth drinking, but now I don't know because he's made these claims about it, which patently not true. And also he said it's really expensive, but it's not. It's dirt cheap. You don't think we've been thrown off in our thinking about it. The mustard seed isn't the smallest and it doesn't grow the largest. What if Jesus is saying, look, it's not about all those. It's not about the ranking, which we're so keen on doing. It's about something other, something stranger. The usual way that we do things of ranking people by gender, by income, by looks, by, by where they come from in the world, by education, all of those things, they're, they're silly when you put them up like that. It, it just doesn't make any sense. What difference does it make how big a mustard seed bush becomes? What difference does it make how small the mustard seed is? What's important about a mustard seed is the benefit that it can give you. Uh, in the ancient world and still today, mustard is part of a healing process. It's supposed to help with headaches. And there are different ways that you can use it. <clears throat> but we're not seeing that. We're keen on this sort of ranking. Of, well, Jesus has got it wrong. It's not the smallest. There's a small one, there's a small one, there's this one. If, you know, everything fits in a rank. And, and it's not the biggest bush. There's other, other bushes. And we've got to get this right. What if Jesus is in joking and playing with all of that, saying, silly? Because, of course, we're really keen on this. In Alice in Wonderland, Alice grows small and then she grows big. In Gulliver's Travels, Gulliver grows small and big. In all of our children's stories and many fairy stories, there are giants and there are dwarves. We're very keen on figuring out where everything fits. Our stories are replete with these kinds of images. But what if none of it was real? What if it was all just an illusion? Mustard is small, but it's small because of its healing properties that is contained in just a tiny amount. And it is large because actually mustard turns out to be an invasive weed like the yam. It just goes everywhere. And we're told that no first century farmer worth his or her salt would ever so mustard, because he just can't control it. It just takes over. We want mustard seed in a small amount, but it's uncontrollable. Is that why Jesus chose it as an image? It's not something that we can rank and put in order and keep our world contained and neat. What if this is what Jesus meant by the kingdom? What if the kingdom is as Jesus talked about it, is something quite other than people expect. The problem with using the word kingdom, of course, is people understood kingdoms in Jesus' time as either very good or very bad, but a way of managing the world. But what if Jesus meant something much deeper than that, more like a state of consciousness, a way of living in the world? So the, the kingdom isn't some place you go to when you die, but something you come out of, a way of knowing the world, of seeing the world differently. And of course, Jesus bangs on about this all the time. The last, he says, are going to turn out to be the first, and the first are going to turn out to be the last. And when it comes to forgiveness, just keep doing it. And the rich, it turns out, are actually poor. And there's no such thing in Jesus' world as moderation. 
Everything is done in abundance. Nothing fits neatly and tidily. It, nothing is organized. Nothing fits in. Nothing is predictable. There's, it's full of abundance. The mustard plant is not polite. It doesn't fit in. It just takes over. It just invades. Richard Raw, the Franciscan uh, writer, says his word for the kingdom of God is the really real. In other words, the world as it ought to be, the world as it truly is, that we can miss because of our ability to organise and rank and, and keep things neat and tidy. But what if we're missing it? What if we have to look at it completely different eyes? So we have to hear a story as crazy as Napoleon's hat or a story as crazy as Jesus saying a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed in the world, which it isn't. What if we have to hear that to be kind of knocked off our track? Go, wait a minute, I'm going to see it differently. I'm going to explore it, I'm going to open up to the possibility of something new and different, which will be an abundant invasion of my world. Which, to be honest, I, I don't really want that much. I'm, I'm quite okay with it as it is. I like my routines. I like things to be settled. I like when I go into my room, the thing I put there is still there where I put it. I don't like it being messed with. I'm not really very good at abundance, at invasion, at openness. But what am I missing? By being so sure, by being so certain about my, the way my world should be. I'm convinced that as people left Jesus with that story going through their heads, there would have been two groups. There would have been those who said, yeah, God doesn't know what he's talking about. Must have said it's not the smallest seed. I know it's, you know. It could be those people. Or it could be those going, I'm going to I'm gonna have to go and lie down. I'm going to have to go and sit down and think about this and not just think about it but kind of let it happen in my head without thinking as well kind of percolating through and I'm going to have to stay open and I'm going to have to wonder and I'm going to have to see what happens and I'm going to have to live in surprise yes yes